Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and we're back uh, with some off-season um, news and some housekeeping to keep uh, uh, catch everybody up on. Um, Rod, and it looks like they've finalized the coaching staff um, for next year. Uh, coming into this one, first time we've had some coaching changes in a, lo- in a long time. Yeah. Um, we've already talked about Doug Bojic um, being promoted up to uh, assistant coach. Um but what other uh, coaching moves um, have we got kind of locked into place now? Well, we, we had talked about that a while back, and, and it was finally made official. Mm-hmm. Um, so Doug Wojcik is replacing Dane Fife, And then there's been a reshuffling of some of the support staff beyond that. So it wasn't just a – and as you say, we haven't had this kind of shakeup in a long time. Now, interestingly – you can say it's not really a big shakeup because a lot of these guys have been at MSU before, which is true. Right. Um, but it's still, it's different faces in different positions. So you start with who's replacing Doug Wojcik as um, the, uh, I forget what the, he was the recruiting coordinator. The, yeah. I, I was trying to remember if that was actually the name of the position. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's that. That's that's the job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it is recruiting coordinators, what they call it. But it's an important job because that position is responsible in large part for early contact with recruits. So, let's say kids that are freshmen and sophomores that are starting to come on the radar. The the guy in that position is, and, and this is a new kind of position around college basketball. Izzo was at the forefront when he brought in Doug Wojcik to fill that spot, and he didn't have a lot of other programs around the country who had a recruiting coordinator in basketball. Mm. Now you're starting to see more and more of it. Um, I I don't know whether we talk about it here or not, but you know Penn State obviously is a new coaching staff. They brought in a guy Brian Snow to serve in that role who has been a long time um, scout slash 24 seven basketball recruiting guy. Um, so not even someone with a coaching background wow. they brought in to serve in that role. So there's a lot of schools that are doing this. Michigan state brings back Mark Montgomery to serve in that role. Now uh, Mark Montgomery left Michigan state. Was it after the 2000, 2011 season, I think 11 season. Two, yeah, that would be right. Cause Fife came in. Draymond senior year. So after the 2011 season, he had a long run as an assistant at Michigan state, um, took the job head coaching job at Northern Illinois and really had a long run there mm-hmm. without any tournament bids, not a, not a great deal of success. On the other hand, uh, that is what I've heard more than once is that might be the toughest place to win in the Mac. 
it's just not a school. It's, it's a school that's had very good football programs at times over the years. But basketball, I guess just the, the lack of resources, lack of institutional support has, has made it a tough place to succeed in. So he was fired partway through this season, this past season. Mm-hmm. And I, we may have even touched on it. I yeah, don't we did. We did. That's kind of where we got to was he would been picked up by Detroit. Yeah, which the weird part of that was that I didn't realize Detroit didn't have a full staff (laughs) (laughs) halfway into the season. That's weird. Yeah, Um, but they didn't. And so they brought Monty on for that spot. And now he comes back to East Lansing to serve in this recruiting coordinator role. It's technically not a a coaching staff position, Mm -hmm. but I think anybody who's around the Michigan State program will tell you over the last three years, Doug Wojcik has been a very important voice for Tom Izzo yeah. to the extent that really, you know, he is like a, a fourth assistant coach. And I would expect that Mark Montgomery would serve in a, a roughly similar capacity mm-hmm. um, given his experience, given his experience in this program with Izzo I played for him when Izzo was an assistant, obviously coached him for a long time. Um, he also coached for a long time with Dwayne Stevens and Mike Garland. So there's continuity there with those guys. And in fact, I think he was around when Doug Wojcik was here too, if I remember correctly. So yeah. it, you really could not pick a more seamless um, transition for a guy than bringing Mark Montgomery in. I, I think it was, a, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting approach because I think a lot of other schools look at it a little differently. I mentioned what Penn state did, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what MSU did when they created this spot. Doug Wojcik was not some, you know, guy in his late twenties or early thirties, you know, looking to make an impact. Um, as a recruiter, he was a guy who obviously had a ton of recruiting experience, but he had a ton of coaching experience and head coaching experience. And so Mark Montgomery fits that exact same mold. Um, you know, I had thought at the time this became open, well, maybe that's a job Tum Tum Nairn would slide into. Well, it's turned out he's gone back to his, um, prep school alma mater, Sunrise Christian to be a head coach there, um, for next season, Oh, wow. which I think is, a, which that's I think a is huge a good job. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing for Michigan state because you want these guys with connections to the program in coaching positions mm-hmm. you know you want that that's an that's an important thing and it's going to be another thing that comes back around we talk about the rest of the staff in a second um the more guys there are with msu connections that are out there in the coaching world the better on every level it helps you you know having tom at sunrise christian a school which produces a lot of players mm-hmm. they get a lot of guys i produce is not the right word because they usually get guys who are already on the radar but a lot of guys go through that place um, who are recruitable at a Michigan State level, at least in terms of talent. So it's a good thing to have someone like Tom back there. And and also a good thing in that it gives Tom an opportunity to coach and hopefully progress his career to the point that when the time comes, you know, maybe he's a name that you look at mm-hmm. coming back to MSU in some capacity, you know? Yeah. So I thought it might be somebody like him. It's not. It's Mark Montgomery's kind of the other side of the ledger in a lot of ways, age, experience, all those things. But I, I, I don't see anything to criticize at this point. 
mm-hmm. you know, I, with with that move. So that was other than Wojcik, that was probably the big name, just because of of Monty's connections to the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not where it stopped. There were other former players. Um, Austin Thornton comes back after uh, he spent a year as head coach at Sparta on the west side of the state uh, high school, uh-huh. um, comes back to the program. He had been a grad assistant, I believe, for a couple of seasons, maybe four or five years ago. And now he comes back as a video coordinator. And he is, and I'm trying, I want to get this right. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on the guy's name. I can picture him because you always see. Oh, the Drew Denisco. Yeah, there we go. Drew. Yes. Uh, left to become an assistant coach on Stan Heath's staff at Eastern Michigan. So a move up for him mm-hmm. clearly from video, a video coordinator position. Um, and now Austin Thornton gets a chance to come back uh, and serve on the Michigan state staff in a more official capacity. Um, you know, Izzo, I'm looking at the article right here. Izzo's quote uh, in the PR release was um, Austin Thornton is one of the hardest working and most humble players I've coached during my time at Michigan state. I loved having him on staff as a grad assistant. He's worked really hard on the high school level to get himself ready to take a college job. It's great to have him back. Um, Austin Thornton is, I mean, that there's, there's some truth behind those words. You're talking about a guy that was preferred walk on out of high school, had high major. I believe he had a Stanford offer. If I remember correctly, I know he had multiple D one offers. Yeah. Um, and he chose to come to Michigan state as a preferred walk on, obviously eventually earned his scholarship. And by the time he was a fifth year senior, he was a co-captain along with Draymond Green on the 2011-2012 team that won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, um, and got it earned a number one seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. And he was a big part of that team as a as a key rotation guy. So, you know, you're happy to see that again. Anytime guys with deep connections to the program get into coaching roles, I think, or or staff roles, even, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see that. He's obviously still a young guy, you know, probably just, just the other side of 30 now. Um, and then, and then Dave Thomas, uh, who's the, been the operations guy, um, decides to, to step aside and and join a, some sort of capital management, um, company with, with Paul Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I read that. uh, yeah, and so that's obviously DT's been on staff for a while. Um, sounds like this was a you know career decision, maybe a financial decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I had heard that he because he's a guy you would look at and say, well, why isn't he a candidate to move up, maybe into an assistance role? Right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's been on staff for a while now. I had heard that that was just something he had determined he didn't want to do. Um, so this makes sense, you know, to, to transition out of it, go into the private sector. Um, great for him. You know, Izzo had really kind words to say about him uh, in, in his departure. And so what they opted to do was um, elevate, uh, was it Brennan Stool? Yeah. Um, it was like his, his like uh, executive Garrett assistant. Garrett Brennan Stool. He was his executive assistant the last couple of years. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. Um, 
I think I haven't heard a whole he lot had about a sex him. no I I'm for some reason I thought man, I may be wrong about this forget it um I was trying to remember if there was a Lansing Sexton connection with him and I think I'm, I think I'm wrong about that um but in any event he's been around the staff for a while now he gets elevated to replace um dt but then the the thing that probably is more interest for most of our listeners is uh the guy who's been brought in to be his assistant and that's former and pretty recent spartan guard matt McQuaid. yeah um matt played overseas i believe in germany at least one year maybe a couple and uh obviously has made a decision that at least for now Maybe he's got playing out of his blood, and he wants to uh, he wants to take a shot at getting into coaching. You know, Izzo said, uh, "I'm really excited to have Matt back with us, and he is really excited to be on staff and start his professional career. He'll be a great addition and someone who can relate to our players. I think this is the start of what could be a great career for Matt. You know, and, and Matt McQuaid, at least, and, and all these guys. I mean, certainly Austin Thornton can speak to the same things, although he's in a little different role." Um, you know, those are two guys that really had to earn their way into what eventually their legacy became, right? Yeah. They, they were not guys who were just handed a lot of minutes early on. Matt McQuaid had a role as a freshman, which was a little more than, than Thornton had early on. But, you know, it really took Matt until his senior year to fully make good on all of his potential potential mm-hmm. that was there from, from the get go. I was always a big fan. I thought, I thought he was a guy who was a little undervalued actually by a lot of the Michigan state fan base before his senior year. Um, I thought he was a very good player defensively, obviously uh, an effective jump shooter as well. And a better athlete than a lot of people gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. And eventually you saw all that come to bear during his senior season. Um, but he's obviously really young. I mean, he's just a couple of years removed from playing. So uh, that's a guy who, as Izzo says, can relate to their players because he's just so recently been through it. But I think they're the kind of both of those guys have had the kind of had that kind of careers that um, can be valuable to have on your staff where they, they've been through it. They've been through hard times. They've been through points where they weren't playing maybe as much as they thought they should be. Um you know, and they persevered and both came out with great experiences in their senior years. You know, we talked about what Thornton did with Matt McQuaid, very similar, except he went not only won a Big Ten regular season and tournament title, but he didn't he didn't get a number one seed, but he did get to a final four. Yeah. Um didn't he get so, to that championship game too? Well, I mean he wasn't playing a whole lot then, but uh against North Carolina was it like oh nine? The championship Who, game. Austin, Austin yeah. Thornton? Yeah, I just met. Yeah, that's true. He, he, but I, I just met their senior years. Oh, yeah. 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 No, you're right. I mean, Austin Thornton played on two Final Four teams. You're correct. Mm-hmm. But I'm just talking about their senior years when they were both playing big roles gotcha. for those yeah. teams. Um, but, no, you are correct. So they've both been part of a lot of winning. So all in all, you know, it's – it seems like a lot of changes and it is, but these are all very familiar faces. Really only McQuaid hasn't been on staff before in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So 
if you're going to have a year with a with a lot of new names, this is a way to do it and still feel like you're preserving continuity. Um, you know, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I, uh, you know, I, I I think in the end, mostly, you know, your success or failure is down to Tom Izzo and your players, your talent. So I don't make too much of it. But I also think, you know, after a season like last year, that maybe you can look at it and say, you know what, this isn't the worst thing in the world to kind of shake up the combinations a little bit. Really, the last time Michigan State did anything close to this was in that 2011-2012 season when Monty left to take the Northern Illinois job and they brought Dane Fife in. And, you know, lo and behold, they have a Big Ten championship season, earn a number one seed, all of that stuff. So, you know, it's worked in the past to kind of reinvigorate things a little bit. So we'll see if it has that kind of impact this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into the recruiting, it looks like, um, well, before we get there, um, looks like they've started the summer practices up. Yep. Um, and uh, turns out Max Christie gets big, or um, Illinois um, player of the year, Mr. Basketball. Um, Brooks gets Mr. Basketball in Michigan. Yeah, and both were also their name Gatorade Players of the Year in their states in mm-hmm. recent days. Yep. So everything looks to be on track with the incoming class. Um, yeah, um, they're they're excited. The only one who's not currently on campus is Pierre Brooks. I think he's got. Um, I think technically his school year has not ended yet, um, so he is expected up there very shortly. But everybody else. Is there Tyson Walker is in the other two freshmen, um, so everybody is everybody's on board. And Izzo actually came out today, very effusive in his praise for Gabe Brown. He says Gabe Brown has taken a step, which would be very welcome news if he can find more consistency for sure. Yeah. Um, he said it was interesting. He made a comment that Brooks shoots it as well as anybody on their team, given that Pierre isn't on campus yet i'm gonna suspect he actually met max christie but i'm not positive (laughs) Um, he's done that kind of thing before obviously uh Uh, but i think that's probably who he met and that would be in keeping with what max christie's real strength is as a player Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah it's a good thing they're on campus i mean this is obviously setting up to be a very different offseason last year that's good news on a lot of levels because you've got all these new faces. You know, all four of these newcomers are guys you're expecting to see play significant roles. And then some other guys like a Gabe Brown, um, you know, Marcus Bainham. I think Michigan State really needs them to step up. Yeah. They're veterans. They're each in their fourth years. They've shown lots of flashes. Now it's time to be that game in, game out, reliable presence, and so it's it's good to have you know have things be back to normal, um, you know, and that, that gives me more confidence that it's it's going to turn out all right. And um, it sounds like two things as far as kind of guys getting into shape. It sounds like Maddie Sissoko has gotten back up to two forty five. Yeah, um, that's good news. And, and Hogard, uh, they've been talking about, has lost significant weight. Um, yeah. since coming in 30, 33, 33 pounds down from where he was at, at the start of last, I think, um, that's good for him. 
you know, I've admittedly been very critical of, of Hogard, but um, if he's going to have a chance to be a positive player, that's a necessity. Mm. Just to get on every level, to give yourself a better chance to be at least passable athletically, um, you know, endurance, you know, get tired, um, you know, all of those things. It's it's important. So that's that's good news. Uh, with Sissoko, I'm really happy about that because I think we saw the effect of that COVID bout he had midseason. It, it took some of the wind out of his sails, and it, it really wasn't until late in the year that he sort of found his legs again and was able to contribute some. Um, you know, during that stretch where Michigan State was playing very well, he was proving to be a, a valuable guy in kind of spot duty. And it, it's it's interesting because I, I think that, you know, my expectations are that Marcus Bainham should be your starter at that spot and should be a, you know, somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes a night guy. Mm-hmm. That, that would be where my expectations start the season. I thought he ended the season really well last year. I think his conditioning has clearly improved, and you know now's the time. But, but then you've got a question with Julius Marble, who had flashes last year but also has some issues as a defender and a rebounder, and there's an opportunity because of that, I think, for Matty Sissoko to, take, to make a move. Mm-hmm. and take a step up and earn his way into more consistent minutes. And being bigger and stronger is going to do nothing but help that. You know, I'm interested to see what Bingham's weight's going to look like. You know, if, even yeah. if he was able just to just pack on maybe 10 pounds of, of muscle, that would really go a long way for him. Yeah, it would. I, you know, my thing with Marcus at this point, my expect and 10 pounds isn't a lot to ask for. So I don't think yeah. that's crazy and it would help. But I also, I guess the way I look at it is um, I'm okay. If that doesn't happen, if he can continue to show the things he showed over say the last 10 games or so last season, mm-hmm. because that, because I think he's gotten strong enough that, he can be affected. The, the things that are real strengths for him, his length, his anticipation defensively, you know, shooting touch, which he has. And we saw some of late last season, uh, ability to run the floor, which we saw some of um, to be that rim running threat. Uh, all of those things are strengths and they all show up. Uh, if he's able to stay on the floor well enough due to his strength. And I think he's, I think he has made that breakthrough. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. I actually think, and I, I hope I don't end up regretting saying this, but I really do think Marcus Bainham could be set to have a big year. I I don't necessarily mean like an Adrian Payne senior year type of season, (laughs) but that would be a lot to ask. But I do think, with with the changing of the guard in terms of big men in this conference, um, there aren't a lot of guys coming back who I think check in where I automatically say, well, that's a guy who probably is going to make a bigger impact than Marcus will. Mm-hmm. Defensively in particular, I think he is a game changer. You know, it, it, and and I think the biggest change for him wasn't even so much strength last year. It was that over the back half of the season, you could see Marcus finally start to figure out how he needed to play out on the floor Mm -hmm. defensively. 
in pick and roll when he's extended out with, you know, a big man who has an ability to shoot from range, you know, there was a market improvement in those areas. And that's the big deal. If he can play that way on defense, then he can stay on the floor. And that's, if he's on the floor, that's when his length shows up defensively. That's when offensively, I think, you know, Marcus is never going to be a guy you just toss the ball to on the blocks and say, go get us 15, 20 a night. That's not his game, but he can contribute offensively in a lot of different ways. I mentioned transition Um, as an offensive rebounder. He showed some things last season as a putback guy. Yeah, I mean, um, he's got some just monster putbacks that just come yep. out of nowhere sometimes. Right, it's exactly. Like, man. And then, you know, I, he's obviously struggled since his freshman season with the three ball, but I thought last season he showed reasonable progress as a mid-range shooter. Yeah. You know, as a guy facing up 10 to 12 feet from the basket, Marcus can hit that shot. So I, I think there's a good reason to be optimistic about Marcus Bingham able being able to be an impact player. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case and you're going to get say 22, 25 minutes a night out of him, then you just need to find those other 15 to 18. And that's where, you know, Matty Sissoko has a chance to really help him. I think, um, cause boy, he showed some flashes and I'd say the same thing about Julius Marble mm-hmm. with Julius. It's funny because offensively, he's the most polished and effective of the four of the three big men by maybe by a considerable margin, actually, because he actually has a good, decent back to the basket game. And he too can hit face up shots with regularity, but man, he's got to defend better. So it's kind of like he's where maybe Marcus was last season. Mm -hmm. He's got to be able to prove that he can hang out there defensively enough to be able to play him and let his offensive strength show through. And if nothing else, he'll have some accountability yep. if someone's not if playing well. Certainly, That's right. they'll have yep. that at that position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, so I think this news, I, I don't think we got to this news before, but um, we sort of bounced around the idea that maybe Rocket was thinking about possibly right. coming back. It turns right. out he winds up going to uh, Min, or Mississippi State MSU. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, look, I know I I have zero doubt that there were points that it was under discussion Mm -hmm. as to whether he might return. But I think in the end, and I would have been, I would have been totally fine with that, provided that there was a clear understanding of what that meant. And and frankly, I don't think the kid was ever an issue with that. Mm -hmm. I think Rocket Watts could have come back and would have been just fine and would have been okay with being, you know, with understanding, Hey, we're looking at you primarily as a defender and a veteran presence. And, you know, if the offense comes around great, but that's not your primary job on this team. I actually, from what I know, I I don't think he would have, I think he really enjoyed being at Michigan state, Mm -hmm. but, but given the totality of everything, it might not be the worst thing in the world for him to move on. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mississippi state, he'll get a chance, you know, it's the sec. So it's, it's high major basketball. That's good. It took a long time for it to work out, but, um, he did land at a high major. So that's good for him. And, And uh, he waited and got shopped, you know, they had that DJ Stewart, who was a pretty 16 point a game guy who wound up going 
declaring for the draft and getting an agent. Yep. And then they came after and got that's when they got Rocket. So Right. Turns out yeah. I mean it looks to be a pretty good situation for him. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting. I I got to be honest, I don't watch a lot of I've seen a lot of Mississippi State in recent years since Ben Howland's been there. Um I I'll be interested to see how Rocket fits. You know, Ben mm-hmm. Howland is a defense first guy, at least he he always was. Um, and, and at least in terms of the way his teams played and the things he valued, he wasn't too dissimilar to Izzo, except his teams usually were much worse than Izzo's offensively. Yeah. He was not considered an offensive genius. Now, I don't know if he's got Mississippi State maybe playing a little more loosely. We'll, we'll see. But good for him. I mean, I'm rooting for him. There's there's nothing negative you can say, I don't think, about Rocket Watts um, as a person, as a character around the Michigan State program. Um, I just think it didn't work out and it's, it's unfortunate, but sometimes that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that begs the question, do you think that they're just going to stay put with, you know, maybe give a scholarship to one of the walk-ons, uh, or do you think they're going after somebody? I didn't think that they would. And honestly, from where I sit, I don't love the idea of not adding a wing. We've talked about it here a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, over recent episodes but boy i mean we're sitting here june 9th as we're recording this and you got till the end of the month so if something's going to happen it's got to happen soon and right now there just aren't a lot of names out there now i i did think you know there was last week there was a very interesting interview with izzo on the podcast that seth greenberg and believe it or not dan dak dan dockett do um it was great and i would i I said this on the spartan mag board i'll reiterate it here anybody who hasn't heard it ought to because Izzo just goes down chapter and verse with everything that's going on in the college basketball world from the transfer portal to name image and likeness you know right right down the line um and it's a great listen and it's it's definitely Izzo kind of as unfiltered as he's gonna get Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't, I know he's not a fan. He's made that clear of the, the transfer situation. He wasn't a fan of the grad transfer rule. He's less of a fan of this where it's basically free agency. But one interesting thing I thought he said, which is why I'm not ready to completely close the door on them adding another face is he said he suspects that there are going to be guys who have declared for the draft who end up coming back but decide to transfer. And the deadlines are interesting. The deadline for withdrawal from the draft, I believe, is July 8th, which is a week after the deadline for transfers through the portal. Right. Um, so that doesn't quite line up. It means if you're going to do what Izzo was describing, you got to make your decision early. You can't wait till the wire for withdrawing from the NBA draft. Um, so that is interesting. And as I say, it's the only thing that's got me thinking, don't close the door yet. Truthfully, the way this stuff has gone, there could be names tomorrow that pop up. Mm-hmm. I am a little surprised, but I also think that it must be that they have just not been convinced 
that anybody out there that was available and maybe gettable was enough of a solution. To me, they, they need a guy with some experience who can defend. And I'm going to be troubled if they don't add that kind of player. It, you know, is it possible that they can succeed without it? Yes. That's if your newcomers are maybe even a little bit better defensively than you anticipated would be one way. Another, another way would be if Malik Hall swings to the wing a little more, you know, than anticipated, that would be an idea. Um, But yeah, so far we haven't seen it. And I, I will admit to being surprised. I thought they would add a guy, but it hasn't happened yet. Well, so how do we look on recruiting um, for the 2022 class? Well, it's it's started to get busy because mm. we finally, last weekend is the first weekend in what, 15 months, 16 months, where you <laughs> could take an actual official visit. Yeah. And Michigan State had two guys in who were very high on their list. Um, a, a guard from... Minneapolis, uh, Trey Holloman, who's a point guard, and then a big man from St. Louis, Terrace Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, from what I understand, it went well with both of them, as in very well. How, let's talk about Holloman first. He's a guy we've talked about here before, but honestly, my was when they added Tyson Walker, I didn't have a lot of faith that Trey Holloman would stay in the mix because that's, you've got a freshman incoming freshman, Jade Macon, so only a year older and Tyson Walker's got three years to play. Yeah. And, and you don't expect that either of those guys is going to be a one and done. So, and, and by the way, AJ Hogarth's still around mm-hmm. at least for now. So it doesn't look on the surface, very friendly for a point guard. And Trey Holloman is a point guard for sure. Um, but he is apparently extremely interested. The little bits I've heard suggest that it went very well, and it wouldn't be surprising to see him become a Michigan State Spartan. Now, if that happens, they are adding a guy who could be a hell of a creator, in my opinion. I have not seen him live, but I've seen extended video stuff, Mm. and I don't like basing it solely on that, but from what I've seen, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. I think Trey Holloman would be the most creative passer that they would have brought into the program since Denzel Valentine. I'm not saying necessarily the best because Cassius Winston obviously was a great passer, but I think anybody listening to this probably knows what I mean. Cassius was a fantastic passer, but he wasn't a guy who tended to be heavy on like the, wild the home hacker, run play. Razzle, right. Dazzle. He made smart decisions and made other people around him better at a very high level. But he wasn't the Denzel wow kind of factor. Trey Holloman is more of that from what I've seen. Um, decent size at 6'2". I, I've been mentioning this on the message board. I'd like to see, and I haven't been able to find it yet, a measurement of his wingspan because, you know, people <laughs> bring this up and they say, well, do you really need to add another point guard? So, well, if he can, we know Jade Nakins can play off the ball. 
offense. He's big enough and athletic enough, certainly. Could Trey Holloman. And the clips that I've seen, I see a guy blocking a lot of shots. Mm. And it looks to me like he plays, he's long in terms of his wingspan. I'd like to see that confirmed um, because that's just an eye test and you can't really rely on that. But if it's true, at 6'2", with good, with good wingspan, if his wingspan is, as I suspect, longer than his height, you know, it's plus in that way, then he might be able to help you some off the ball too. I think that, you know, it's nothing new to say that the college game has moved in a direction where having multiple high-level ball handlers is an advantage. Yes. You, you need look no further than the national championship game this year. Baylor had that, and so did Gonzaga. You know, yeah. both teams were playing multiple guys at the same time who would be called point guards. So from that perspective, and Izzo's done it before too, you know, Caleb Lucas, Corey Lucius, Caleb Lucas, Drew Neitzel, um, you know, Keith Appling, Travis Trice, uh, you know, lot, lots of different combinations like that, uh, Cassius and Tom, mm. you know. Um, so it's it's possible to do that. The issue with it typically is on the defensive end, but again, if Trey Holloman can play a little bigger, then maybe it's not as big an issue. Izzo loves him as well because he's a high-level football recruit, and Michigan State uh, is recruiting him. They've offered him. He's a defensive back, so obviously Izzo loves that. Technically, he hasn't decided as to whether he'll be a football or basketball player primarily in college, but uh. I think the sense is he's more likely to go basketball um, that's what I've picked up. So definitely a name to watch. And if they add him, boy, you, you're talking about a guy who could be a very dynamic player for Michigan State, in my opinion. I've been really impressed. The other guy who took his official, I've been equally impressed by, again, in video viewings, and that's Terrace Reed, who's 6'10", I think about 225, and he is the kind of player the current team does not possess. Mm. And that is a guy who knows who he is as a big man, plays that way offensively, and is just solid on the blocks. When you watch his video clips, you see it over and over. The footwork, the touch, the sense of angles, the sense of space. This is a guy who I think you could drop into a lineup tomorrow and he'd be able to get your points in the paint. And the thing is, it's not like he's lacking otherwise. He's a decent athlete, looks to have potential defensively. I've seen on clips him do some face-up stuff on offense, so it's not like he's just a low blocks guy. But that's the part of his game that really, really excites me. Mm. What's weird about him is you look at the rankings, and he tends to be like a 75 to 90 guy in some of the ranking systems I've seen, which is insane not just based on what I've seen from his game, but his offers. You look at his offers, and it, it's, it really is impressive. Um, I'll try to call him up here uh, just to refresh my memory. Um, I know Kansas has offered him. Michigan offered him. Wow. Um, let me see. Let me see the rest. He just got offered by Arizona State the other day. Creighton, Florida, Illinois. Um, Purdue. I think he's going on a visit to Purdue this weekend. I want to say Indiana, Iowa, Kansas state, Missouri. 
Nebraska, Ohio State, Xavier. I mean, you see what I mean? This is this is not, in my opinion, that's not the offer list of of a guy who's you know the number eighty ranked player in the country. I'm just right. I don't care about that stuff. Other than to, other than to say that I know people kind of use that those rankings to frame in their mind what a player is or his potential. In this case, they're all wet. I'm telling mm. you, Holloman is ranked in a similar range, maybe a little higher. The only hesitation I have about saying they're all wet there too is I haven't seen enough of him as a jump shooter to to see how he is in that area of the game. Um, so that might be something with him that okay that something he's got to work on. Terrace Reed to me, take him tomorrow and roll. So those two guys cool. both had their visits. I mean, dang, a six ten post player who's a true post player. Yeah. Is valuable, maybe not to the NBA, but you, certainly you just in college. Saw it in the big, you just saw it in the Big Ten season. Yeah. yeah, how much, how important was it for any team to have that kind of threat? And conversely, how much of a problem was it? How much time did you and I spend talking about points in the paint as an issue? Yeah, and when they solved it or got it to some extent, it had to come from unconventional places. You know, Aaron. Yeah. Henry. Yeah, it wasn't post ups for the most right. part. Right, or it wasn't a big man posting up at least. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, Aaron Henry kind of working his way into the lane. That was usually how it came. And you know, you'd rather have it with your big man. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a huge deal. It was something that you know when I thought that there was a possibility that there might be another big man moving on from Michigan State that I thought was something they would need to target in the transfer portal this year is getting that kind of player. Well, that didn't happen because only one guy left. Um, but yeah, for the future, you need to add that kind of player. Mm-hmm. So those two already visited and we've got two more on deck, not this weekend, but next weekend, Jaden shot. Yeah. Yeah. Who is a wing from Illinois ranked just a bit outside of the top 100. But again, look at offers. Illinois is hot and heavy after them. Iowa, um, a bunch of Big Ten schools. 6'5", reportedly a good athlete, maybe not an eye-popping athlete, but a good athlete, um, big-time shooter. And that's why he's being recruited by those schools. This is His size is 6'5", and then his ability to shoot. Um, the word I have heard on him is that Michigan State is the heavy favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taking a visit this weekend to Illinois, who's the home state school. Um, so they'll get their crack at bat. But everything I've heard suggests that this is Michigan State's to lose right now. They've been on him a long time. They really like him. And, you know, he's coming to town again, not this weekend, but next weekend. And then they, the other guy, and, and a guy they're in good shape with, but I think I would probably say is the one I have the least confidence in them signing. That, that doesn't translate to no confidence. It would just more be a reflection of how strongly I think they're sitting with the other guys. It's Isaac Trout. Trout, a, yeah. Yeah, 6'9", power forward out of Nebraska. Very skilled player, plays hard. Um, there's some there's some competition there, though. Uh, Nebraska and Creighton is the home state schools. Um, I believe North Carolina is in the mix on that one. 
Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I don't mean to suggest, I don't think Michigan state is a shot. I think they absolutely do. Mm-hmm. It's just that one to me. I think there's a, maybe a little bit less clarity, but a different player than, than Reed, you know, trout is much more of the, you know, stretch four, let's say, um, not a guy who comes in and I don't mean to say that he can't be a post player, but, um, that's not really his, that, that's not why he's ranked where he's ranked and regarded the way he's regarded. It's more because of his ability to stretch the floor. Um, I guess this is question comes to me with Roy Williams retiring, um, yeah. and coach K announcing his retirement, obviously, um, does that have an impact on who might be coming to Michigan state? Sure. I mean, you I mean would think all of so. a sudden now that's, that kind of makes Izzo sort of the, the elder statesman of coaches. Well, he's right there. He's right there. I mean, I think, I think you have Izzo. You've still got Calipari you know, to deal with, but. You have Izzo in a group with guys like Calipari, um, who's coming off a terrible season. Um, Jim Beheim, of course, has been around since Methuselah was a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, Jay Wright has obviously achieved a lot. Yeah. In his tenure, Mark Few has kind of started to join that group now, I think, in terms of perception. But, yeah, Izzo built self, but but Izzo is right there. Yeah, I think if you're talking about guys who are seen as the faces of the game, and he's always been that way for 20-some years, mm. but I think you're right. I think it does elevate a little bit more. I do think it's interesting. There's, I don't believe there are any common recruits with Duke in this cycle. But there are two with Carolina. So Trout is one. The other is a kid from Gary, Indiana, Jalen Washington, who's also a power forward, um, has had some injury history, but has played very well this spring in AAU. Uh, you know, Michigan State, I think, felt really good about that one for a while. But it's interesting. He's announced he's taken two official visits and he has two more scheduled, none of which are Michigan State. And so he could always take the fifth to MSU, but it's it surprised me a little bit. But Carolina is one where they the sense I got is that they've really come on. Mm. So that that may be where he ends up. It'll be interesting to see. But he's he's a name. You know, the other three guys that have offers, he was one of them that don't have official scheduled yet. So the other two names to watch: Ty Rogers, who's a guy we've talked about before, home state guy, yeah, Grand Blank. Um. He just visited Michigan. Uh, I don't think he's going to come to Michigan State. Um, you hear varying things over time as to how serious his interest is, but it, it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't add up. Um, but he does have an offer. And then the the most interesting name who doesn't have an official scheduled yet is Kajani Wright, who's a 6'9", like top 10, top 15 kid nationally out of L.A. He was a guy who asked more than a year ago, asked Michigan State to recruit him. You know, because they don't they aren't going after kids from Southern California very often. Right. <laughs> very, very talented guy. Word seems to be he could play either the five or the four. Um, not a world beating athlete, but strong and another one of these guys like Terrace Reed I mentioned, who knows who he is and knows how to play. Uses his body, excellent rebounder. Um, fits the Michigan State mold in a lot of ways. I don't know that he's scheduled any officials yet. 
So it's not that Michigan State is out based on that, but you know, anytime you're talking about a guy from out of the region like that, I think you have to be skeptical, right? Yeah. Until it happens. They just, they just don't land a lot. Of, they don't recruit a lot of guys from California. I can't remember the last one. I'd have to think about it. Um, I don't – God, I could can't. it go back as far as Ken Johnson? <laughs> I can't, ever, I can't remember so, any of them. I, well, Ken Johnson is a guy they had, you know, was a transfer from USC who was from L.A., who played um, in – 83, 84, and 84, 85, and then he had a cup of coffee <laughs> in the NBA. That's what I mean. It's a long okay. time ago. And That's he was a transfer. Know. He was a transfer, so it wasn't even that they recruited him out of high school. So, yeah, not a lot of guys from California, but he would be another name to watch. So when you add all this up, though, this is the interesting thing to me, and I, I posted about this on the Spartan Mag board, but I'll, I'll bring it to the discussion here as well. To me, at least on the surface, it looks like 2022 has the makings of maybe being a big class or needing a big class right now. If they don't add anybody else, or if they add a guy who's a one year player, it's like a grad transfer. Um, they have two scholarships. They have two slots available. They have 11 scholarship players right now mm-hmm. on the roster. So that's two. Then you factor in theoretically, at least one or all of Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham and Joey Hauser could leave just deciding that they don't want to take the extra year of eligibility. Those guys would all be eligible to do that, but you don't know if they're going to or not. So it could be as many as five slots, right? Yeah. I would say based on what I just ran down for you, I feel at least good about four of those guys, the four guys who scheduled officials. I don't mean they'll land all four. Maybe they land three. Um, but those are the four guys I feel comfortable with. How does that add up? Now, normally, and Michigan State's never been a program that just passes out offers to everybody in the top 30. You yeah, know, the way yeah. Juwan Howard does it, plays it that way now. Um, historically, a guy like Jim Calhoun at UConn used to cast a very wide net. Izzo's never been that way. But this is pretty extreme. If you're looking at a year where you think, hey, I might need four bodies. I might need five. Um, so why is that the case? Why have they not cast a wider net? And and the only guy I can think of, at least in the area, like locally, who doesn't have an offer and who I wouldn't rule out completely getting one would be Javon Hanna, who's a wing from Mount Clemens. Uh, he played on Imani Bates's prep school team last year. He's a good player. He's had MSU interest. He doesn't have an offer yet, but I believe he took an unofficial or is about to. So he would be one other guy maybe who gets into that picture. But, you know, other than that, they don't. it doesn't look like they're looking to expand their, um, their playing field of potential recruits so much. So why is that? Uh, that would indicate to me that they're going to attack the transfer market. There you go. I think it's probably think reflective smart. of it's. Yeah, I do too. I think it's probably reflective of two things. I think one is they feel pretty confident. In some of the guys they recruit, you know, that would be one part of it. Mm. But the other part is what you just said. And, and I, I absolutely think that's true. And it, it tells you the way the game has changed in 2021. So if you're a big time program, let's think about Michigan state like seven years ago. 
they go after a bunch of guys seven, eight years ago, and they strike out. So in the spring, they end up offering and signing Tom Tom Nairn, Marvin Clark, and Javon Bess. Right? Yeah. And all those guys, all those guys came in after MSU swung and missed on a host of elite recruits, you know, um, uh, Okafor, and Tyus Jones, and it was just a whole bunch of them. Cliff Alexander. Yeah, yeah. If that happened this year, do they play it that way? I don't think they do. And I say this knowing that Izzo has decried what the transfer thing is doing, but he's also said at the same time, he's not going to cut off his nose to spite his face. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like what it does to the kids primarily. That podcast I mentioned, he talks about that a lot. Um, and he said it before in other contexts as well, but he really means that. But he's not just going to pass on adding players that could help him win. You know, mm. um, if those are the rules, they're going to play by them. He just doesn't think it's a good idea. Uh, so would Michigan State even recruit or look to sign or offer Marvin Clark or Tum Tum there or, or Javon Best? I don't know that they would. And so I think that's going to be the case going forward, not just for MSU, but for a lot of high majors. Yeah. I think you're going to see them be much more selective about the kids that they choose to offer. Because sometimes the worst thing about offering a kid is that he accepts it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because then yeah. you got him. You, you got him for at least a year. He's taken up a, a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I think unless you see a guy really blow up late, like during his senior season, I don't know that I'd expect Michigan State to be heavily involved in spring recruiting. Mm-hmm anymore and i don't think that's just a michigan state thing i think that's a high major basketball thing so that has profound effects um i follow a lot of people on social media varying levels of the game so some of them are people like aau coaches or trainers you know people who work with high school age kids and a message that i've seen repeatedly in recent months from those types of people has been basically this if you are a, a high school junior rising into your senior year and you find a place that you like, you need to take that offer. You do not want to be screwing around because it could end up that you're in a game of musical chairs and you're left without a seat. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see a domino effect of this. You know, obviously the great, great players are still going to have their pick. Of, of where to go and that, that's not going to change but man if you're a guy who's maybe in the 100 to 150 range you better think twice about just continuing your recruitment and holding out yeah you know if if and and i think a lot of guys in that range or even rank maybe a little bit higher than that might not see recruitments the way that the guys in those ranges used to where they've got, you know, you're a guy who's at 90 and maybe you could still have Kansas and Michigan State, North Carolina involved. Might not work out that way. No, if you're if no. you're if you're a college coach, would you rather look at mature players who have done it at the college level at some level? And so you have a better track record to to rely upon 
are you better off taking that kind of player as opposed to a high school player who's got some potential and could blossom into something great, but you don't know. He's not an automatic. The way like a guy rated, you know, 110th would normally be seen. Yeah. It, it's. I think it's a change, and I think that's what's coming. And, yeah. and so it's going to impact the way recruiting goes on a host of levels. I, I mean, definitely, I think if you're Michigan in Michigan State's position, you don't really go after anybody in the 100s. Well, Three shut, stars, shut you know, is, shut is ranked in that for what it's worth. He's ranked in that range, but they obviously, this is kind of my point. They've obviously made a determination that they believe he can help them flat out. And so that's why they've offered him. That's why they're recruiting him. That's why they're looking to add him to the roster. Mm. You know, they're convinced by him, but I think if he were to end up elsewhere, does that mean that, come January, we're going to see them the way we've seen in recent seasons. You know, you could you go back to the, the guys I just mentioned, or Alvin Ellis was that way. Um, you know, they recruited, they had those in recent years, they had that, that period where they had Mark Smith, who ended up at Illinois and has now bounced around other places. He's at Missouri. Um, and Greg Elliott from Detroit, who ended up going to Marquette. Those were guys that they were recruiting really starting in March mm. of their senior seasons. I don't know unless those guys just flat out knocked them, knocked off their socks. I don't know that I would expect Michigan State to be reaching for guys like that anymore. I just, I, and, and so that's why I guess on the one hand, I'm not shocked that they don't have a, a bigger list of high school guys they've offered and seem to be recruiting and looking to get in here on visits, you know, because I think they're playing it the way you kind of have to now, which is if I'm convinced by you, okay, great. But I'm not going to be casting this wide net figuring, well, I got to have somebody because I can go find somebody who's already played college basketball next spring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just imagine Michigan state in this it, it, coming off last season, if they didn't have the transfer portal available to them the way it was, what the situation would have been at point guard? Yeah. I mean, what would, it would have been Jaden Akins, right? Yeah. And, you, I, and maybe you don't lose some of the guys that you lost, but, I mean, that would have been a whole different world. Now, we don't know yet for sure that Tyson Walker solves the problem, but I think he's got a pretty good chance to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big, big deal for MSU, you know? As, and that's even with a guy incoming who's very highly regarded naked. But, you know, I, I think that what we're going to find is there are coaches who talk about, I know that Mike Bray is a guy who says this. Um, there are other guys who over the years have said this. There's this line about what you want to do to ensure the most success in college basketball is get old and stay old. Mm-hmm. Meaning you're ne- you're never rolling out a team that's you know got three freshmen starting. You've mm-hmm. always and that's hard to do because, it, or at least it used to be, because it means you got to kind of have an assembly line that's working. That every every freshman class, okay, they're kind of building, but by the time those guys are juniors, they're ready to go. By the time they're seniors, they're they're really really effective players. Izzo's done about as good a job of that as anybody. Yeah. Uh, Bo, Bo Ryan used to do a great job at Wisconsin of that. 
you know, it seemed they would always have guys who didn't really do anything until they were a third year junior, you know, including a redshirt year. And then all of a sudden they're an all big 10 level player, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's hard to do. Well, now it's not as hard because at least in theory, you can just go out and get guys from other programs who have experience under their belts. And, you know, the, the, the hard part is they haven't been part of your program. So you are running a risk in terms of how well they fit in, how quickly they adjust, et cetera. And we, you and I have talked many, many times about the dangers in making assumptions about transfer up situations. And I still think that's valid. But, but now well, it's but, even, even, even if it's just one year, you, even if these kids just have one year under their belt, it's like, well, that's a one year of college experience where they could yep. be like the, the defensive player of the year in their conference. Look, <laughs> you know? look at, look at Tyson Walker as an example, you know, he's under recruited, played for a big time high school program in Christ in New York. Um, kind of under recruited goes Northeastern has a good freshman season. But last year just explodes and mm-hmm. has a great season, conference defensive player of the year, 18-point-a-game score, great playmaker, and did the job against several high-major opponents. Well, that guy proved that he's probably a pretty good risk Yeah, to at least be a solid player at the high-major level, right? Because now he's done it some, and he's got potentially three years of eligibility left, definitely two. Um, that, yeah, that, is that preferable than going out and taking a flyer on a kid in April from high school? Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely showing this, this 22 class, I think it's showing us how this stuff is changing for sure. All right. Well, um, Anything else that you can think of? Yeah, it, it's on on the further recruiting fronts. Just worth mentioning. All of a sudden, Michigan State is starting to have a slew of unofficial visitors in the twenty three class. Mm-hmm. So today we're recording this on Wednesday. Today, Braylon Green, who is a an athletically explosive six three guard, I a combo guard but i think he's more wing than point from ypsilanti lincoln high school um was supposedly going to be on campus for an unofficial he's got an offer which there's only one other guy in that class who has a michigan state offer already he's one of them Um, he would be a big addition this is a guy who fits the traditional iso mold of super athletic wings and yet he's not just an athlete um, he's got a, he's got a nice perimeter game to go with that. I think he's, I think he's a, a serious, serious impact guy. So that's definitely a name to watch. Then this weekend, the other guy who's got an offer, he's got a last name that may be familiar to listeners, Cameron Christie, who was Max's younger brother. Oh, he is going to be in town over the weekend for an unofficial probably fair to suggest that Michigan state is in good standing there as of right now. Yeah. Um, so he is going to be in town. That's, he was the first guy in that class to get an offer. So that's clearly a name to watch as well. Is he and another then, like shooting guard type? Yeah. Very similar build looks mm-hmm. a lot like, like Max. He's not quite as tall yet, but I think they figure he's going to end up there. 
I think he's about six four now. Max is six six. Okay. Um, but similar, yeah, very, very, very similar kind of player. And then the third name, which just emerged today, a uh, guy I've talked about, I believe, on here before, R.J. Taylor, who mm-hmm. is a six-foot point guard from Grand Blank, won a Class A state championship this year. Um, a, a guy who I think, well, I know he's going to get foster lawyer comparisons, which will immediately tell me anyone who makes those comparisons what they know about the sport because they're very different players. The only thing they share in common is that they're both kind of on the smaller side and they're white. R.J. Taylor is a playmaker, full stop. He makes other people better. I had, um, had Steve Bell, who is a an AAU and recruiting guy in the state of Michigan. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with Steve. He's an occasional Spartan Mag poster. And, um, you know, just a very, talk very... to him on the podcast one day. That's right. We had him as a guest. Yeah, he's one of one of only two guests we've ever had. Adam Ballinger being the other. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, um, Steve knows his stuff. And Steve tweeted that he R.J. Taylor was going to be making his visit, and then I I retweeted it on our podcast account, and he DM'd me, and I don't think you'll mind me saying this, and he said. Uh, this kid is so good. He said the thing, the thing about him is when he played for Steve's AAU program earlier in his career, he got teammates offers to Northwood. In other words, he made them better. Uh, and so they, other guys around him got offers at that level. Now that he's playing for mean streets, which is a Chicago based EYBL Nike team, uh, he's getting teammates offers to North Carolina. Oh, wow. Um, but it's like Jalen Washington, but, um, but yeah, I I am impressed. I watched the state championship game. I was very impressed with him defensively. Yeah, he's smaller. He's bigger than Foster, but not by a lot. But his lateral movement's much better. He's much more aggressive defensively. I I don't worry about him being able to hold his own defensively. Obviously, guarding bigger players there would be issues occasionally, but I think he'll be pretty good there. He's a good shooter. He hasn't nearly been the same kind of scorer that Lawyer was, but he's a very good jump shooter. But to me, the big difference is he's a natural, you know, Foster Lawyer was an effective point guard in high school, but he wasn't a guy that, you know, he wasn't Cassius. He wasn't that kind of playmaker. RJ Taylor sees the floor extremely well. Mm. And, and I think that's the thing. That's the difference. So I'm bullish on him. Um, I think he is, I think he is potentially a really, really good player, and as a guy, I'm going to be very surprised does not end up high major when it's all said and done. We'll see, but you know, there's a that that's a class where there's a lot of good guards in this state. There's Sonny Wilson from UD Jesuit, uh, who I know Michigan State has expressed interest in. Um, I mentioned Braylon Green, who's an off guard. There's a kid out of. Uh, um, E-course, uh, Malik Oliafoya, who's a, a really, really good scorer. So there's a number of guys um, in Michigan in that class of the guard spots who are worth keeping an eye on, and R.J. Taylor is definitely one of those guys. Mm. So it's starting to pick up, and there there will be more. I mean, about that, I have I have very little doubt that we're going to um, we're going to see you know other guys. Um, 
other guys who are, are going to come on the radar and um, we'll see how it tracks. But uh, interesting times. We're finally getting kind of back. Oh, I'm sorry. There's another one that's come in just the last few minutes in that since we've minutes? been recording in that class. Um, Curtis Williams, who is a six, five kind of power wing type from Birmingham brother rice mm. in the 23 class is going to be visiting MSU on June 24th. It looks like, and I assume that is, yeah, that's an unofficial and he's also looking to visit Alabama in August or September. Curtis Williams is a guy that, um, they have, uh, they have been recruiting hard. Michigan state has, they've been interested in him. So, um, we'll see, we'll see where that one goes. And, and I've heard varying things as to how different people feel about him as a prospect, but he's definitely another name to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, anything else, Rod? You can think no, of? No, I think we've, I think I think we've, we've got covered it. it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, what uh, what kind of time frame are we looking at for um, preseason breakdowns? Uh, well, I think we'll have I, another round of recruiting news before that. Possibly, I think that I think that we're probably you know once we get past July one and the transfer season is over and we close the books on that. I think so. I would I would think that the month of July is when we'll look to start talking about next season. Mm-hmm. Because we'll we'll have a pretty good idea what the rosters look like at that point. So July first is kind of the deadline for us yeah, knowing what the rosters. For the portal. Be. Yeah, the yep, portal. Okay. The portal. Yep. All right. Well, we'll uh, keep you posted on that. Until next time, the final four is not on the schedule. Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.